0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're
1: talking week seven NFL fantasy football projections on roto Radio.
2: What's
1: up, Roto-Viz? Hey, what's up, Roto-Viz? This is Curtis and Dave. Uh, we are here with the Week 7 Fantasy Football Projection Show the show where we look at our latest and greatest data in the game level similarity projections tool. It's just one way that Dave and I uh, and even trade uh, conundrums uh, for a given week. And, you know, man, with all the injuries mounting, I think this tool is going to get uh, an especially heavy workout here in week seven, Dave. Uh, we may dabble a little bit in the NFL stat Explorer or the strength of schedule, uh, streaming app as well. Can't wait to break down the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends and some of our own start sit uh dilemmas Dave. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing, I'd like to get a quick check-in from you before we start.
2: Yeah, I'm doing good man. Hope uh you are as well. Feeling good now that we have your computer situation fixed. Uh, you know, so from a production standpoint, we're feeling, we're feeling solid, uh, excited to get into these projections as always. Uh, I know we have some decisions that we're trying to make that we're definitely going to lean on the tool here to help us with. So let's just, let's get into it, man.
1: Awesome. All right. So just the quick refresher for those of you that may be tuning into this show, uh, for the first time, uh, on the streaming edition. Anyway, we are over at rotoviz.com and we're on the tools tab and just checking out our game level game level similarity projections so i'm going to go ahead and get that uh, up on the screen here and we'll dial on through Oh, Google Chrome is giving me no permissions to do it. This is the the benefit of uh, (laughs) this is the benefit of having the new machine and uh, not testing it before. So, Dave, it wants me to restart Chrome. Do you want to share your screen? Uh, Yes, let's do that. Let's 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 put you on the spot, man. Yep.
2: No, I think that makes a ton of sense here. So, I will go. And uh, we will share this screen. I am going to select a Chrome tab. Great radio Great right radio. now. Okay. I
1: will instead uh, dial up the Twitter machine yep. and uh, invite people to ask questions. I usually zoom in about one or two there, Dave, to, to dial through and let people see All right, that. Let me
2: know when it looks good.
1: Good? Yeah, I think one more and you're going to be fine.
2: One more? Really?
1: There you go. Yeah, that's wow. beautiful, man. It's okay. beautiful. Yeah.
2: Okay. So uh, as we normally do, we will start with quarterback here. We won't spend quite as long on quarterback as we will at running back and wide receiver. The top player for the week per the GLSP is Lamar Jackson with an average of 23.9. Nearly 50% of his similar players, Curtis, going for more than 25 points. So it looks like a good week for him. An interesting name here is Russell Wilson that we see toward the top. Of course, there's the question of whether or not we will actually see him over the weekend. But I think the first name that's going to catch people's eye when they're looking for a streaming option is Jacoby Brissett. Now,
1: as a Browns fan, you're going (laughs) to you're going to have to convince me, man. All right, let's let's hear the case.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, if you look at what his matches did, right, they average. So his top 50 closest matches, players that produce like percent when playing defenses like the Ravens have put up an average of 253 points, 1.6 passing touchdowns, uh, around 22 rushing yards and have also found uh, 0.3 rushing touchdowns. So that's bringing his total for touchdowns to around two Uh, You know, total yards up to around 270. And his distribution, Curtis, is actually a really interesting one. Just 10% of his matches failed to get to 10 points. You have 29 between 10 to 15, which honestly for a streamer like Brissett, might be what people might even be looking for. And you still have around 22% of his matches going over 25 points. Now, when I write up my article. (laughs) Sorry,
1: I'm still just adjusting to this distribution for Brissette. I know. Continue. Yeah. What I was
2: going to say was, (laughs) even though uh, this is a pretty optimistic projection, um, you know, these things aren't always perfect. uh, And I think that, uh, you know, with what we've seen from Brissette, I'm more inclined to see him finishing somewhere in that distribution uh, that is on the lower end of things than on the higher end, but definitely noteworthy. If you are really in dire straits and looking for somebody, perhaps you take a swing on Brissette. Um Other players that finish pretty high compared to what you might expect. We have Ryan Tannehill coming in with an average of 17.6 points. And if we look at his average stat line via his matches, we get... 250 yards, two full passing touchdowns, Uh, as I said, an average of 17.6, a 75th percentile Mm -hmm. projection of 23, and he actually gets almost a quarter of his matches going over 25 points. In comparison to Brissette, though, he does have uh, more players finishing in that undesirable section. The largest portion of his distribution, 30%, in fact, lies between 15 to 20 Uh, So they are two of the guys that you might consider if you are looking for a streaming quarterback. And I think one more player that I would outline here uh, that finishes towards the top Um, at this point, though, I don't even think we need to call out Geno Smith, but Justin Fields actually falling into the range where you could consider streaming him, Uh, you know, finally has had a decent game from a fantasy perspective He's actually expected to, against the Patriots, put up 244 yards, 1.5 passing touchdowns. Um, Limited upside, though, Curtis. Just 20% of his players went beyond 20 points, but he does get 37% of his distribution between 15 to 20. Anything else that you wanted to call out on quarterbacks before we uh, make our way over to running backs and wide receivers?
1: Well, maybe go in reverse order here. I uh, actually do have the Justin Fields decision to make on okay. several squads. One, like one of my um, most often uh, used, I guess, stacks or, or quarterback depth charts on uh, the main event and the uh, FPC over on FFPC this season was a Jalen Hurts followed by Justin Fields. And of course it is Jalen Hurts by week. So I actually have to make the decision starting Justin Fields versus hitting, you know, the waiver wire. So it is interesting to see that he's got a little bit of a floor. Um, You know, just thinking about how he's been trending the past couple weeks, you know, if that big run uh, for a touchdown doesn't get called back, I think he actually would be like a top five QB over the past two weeks. Um, Not that he's pretty, I mean, you know, the bar for that's been a little bit low. Uh, If you're not named Josh Allen, you know, no one's really been super on fire the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think that's notable. It kind of seems like Fields is coming out of hibernation just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I like to see that floor, you know, the, the players that I, that I would potentially be, you know, comparing him with would be guys like Brissett, uh, Mariota, Mariotta, um, and maybe even Matt Ryan are uh, quarterbacks that are, you know, available. So Brissett, it's interesting that you brought him up. I was checking him out in the NFL statics floor just as a cross check while you were running through Tannehill and that, that matchup with the Ravens, you know, really should be one that um, offers him a, a pretty solid floor. Even if he, you don't believe in like the ceiling of Brissette's mm-hmm. distribution, you know, just looking at the last five games here, you know, of course, in week two, you had the crazy uh, to a game where he popped for almost 44 fantasy points. But even since then, I mean, we've seen Mac Jones and Daniel Jones who you know, to say they're pedestrian would probably be too friendly at this point from a fantasy perspective. I mean, they posted 17 and 19 PPR, and neither one of them, um, you know, I think plays in an offense that is quite as potent as Cleveland's um, or, you know, or has a wide receiver or tight end tandem, you know, quite like Amari Cooper and David Njoku. So you could really see how maybe Rissett could, you know, even if he just does one touchdown above what either of one of those players produced, you know, that puts them above 20 PPR. So that's pretty interesting. I I appreciate you pulling up Mariota and I wouldn't mind checking out Matt Ryan versus Justin Fields as well, because if I can save the fab, I'll save the fab. So somebody's gonna have to be, you know, head and shoulders above fields, you know, in this tool really for me to, uh, to make a claim.
2: Sure. So one of the key differences just for people listening to this is in the um, 10 to 15 Buckets, you have Fields and Mariota pretty much neck and neck, but at the fifteen to twenty, you actually have Fields with thirty-seven percent of his distribution compared to Mariota at twenty-one, but you get twenty-four percent of Mariota's matches between twenty-twenty-five versus just thirteen percent there Mm. for Fields. So you might give a slight edge to Mariota based on that. Uh the other name that we wanted to compare here, Curtis, who would you said you said Fields and um
1: like Matt Ryan. I mean, we've got to get to these guys that are, you know, available in most yep. leagues. Uh, you know, Ryan had the big game last week, but, you know, without Jonathan Taylor it obviously changes, you know, what that team's, you know, potentially going to do. Um, and so, you know, that I think that probably explains some of his production last week.
2: Yeah. So, if you do this, you give the advantage here to fields as he's higher in the 20-25 range and also higher in the 15 to 20 and they're comparable for the higher than 25 as a result of that, uh, you know, floors that are fairly similar, but it is interesting that Ryan arguably has a slightly better floor here. Um, But I think probably what you're looking for would be some upside here. So you'd probably be inclined to go with fields.
1: Yeah. I don't think either, either one of the players that you just pulled up is going to push me um, off of fields. I would have been looking for, you know, significantly higher floor or, you know, significantly higher ceiling. So I think I'm going to save those precious fab dollars for uh, streaming defenses and kickers and and waiting for, you know, one of those backs that's going to pop. Maybe I can uh, find the next Deion Jackson and be able to hit on that again next time too. Okay. Yeah, I think that's enough at the quarterback position. Why don't we hit the
2: running backs? Definitely. So at running back, um, if you look at the top players, really not a lot of surprises. You have Austin Eckler coming in as the strongest running back this week, followed by Saquon. Josh Jacobs on the heels of a big performance in a week off uh, mm-hmm. has an average of around 17 points, sits ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Maybe Ramondre Stevenson uh, at this point getting in here becomes a surprise. And then that's compounded by the fact that That it's looking like, uh, you know, he should be able to control the overwhelming majority of that New England backfield. Actually has 14% of his matches going for more than 25, uh, which for running backs is a pretty, pretty strong number. Um, McCaffrey is only at uh, 10%. um, You know, as a point of reference, Bruce Hall is at 16 and Derrick Henry is at 14. Other players that are in the top 12 that we should probably talk about. You have J.K. Dobbins getting into this grouping, uh, but I'm going to say with what we saw last week with the injury concerns and also the the lack of productivity uh, in the first half of that game before he went out, do not uh, let this fool you. I would not be trusting Dobbins this week. If Jonathan Taylor returns to action, of course, he's in here. And then you have James Robinson, Nick Chubb, as well, any of these players. Oh, I, I skipped over uh, uh, Damian Pierce at this point, which just speaks yeah. to the fact that we've seen him here enough now that it's starting to feel routine. But anybody you wanted us to, to focus on here before we get into some of those lower level guys.
1: Well, I I do want to call out. I mean, Josh Josh Jacobs has a smash setup this week. Um, you know, I was expecting to see him. You know, rated highly here, and it's it's interesting uh, that the the tools pulling that out. I mean, you know, Vegas is a, a home touchdown plus favorite to Houston and Houston has just been gashed by running backs all season long. Um, you know, over the past five weeks, uh, number one, well, I guess they've only actually played uh, five games because they were on bye last week. Number one are the Houston Texans and expected fantasy points uh, against by the running back position. And they've seen three separate backs crest 27 PPR in just the first five weeks. Jonathan Taylor posted a 27.5 spot in week one. Khalil Herbert, of all people, posted 30.9 in week three. And Austin Eckler, uh, 34.9 in week four. Uh, Travis CTN's, um breakout kind of sort of started back in week five uh, with the 14.4. Uh, fantasy points and you know going over 110 total yards as well against this squad. I mean Jacobs has been you know one of the un- unsung heroes of the first third of the season, um, and so if you were brave enough to start him after you know all of the the rumors and and the, a bit of a slow start in the first two weeks, I mean you've been handsomely rewarded uh, with some really high end production pre buy, and I mean in this game the way it's setting up, I'd expect him to come you know right back you know gangbusters. So. Uh, definitely, definitely, you know, treat Jacobs as a must start moving forward, especially with all the uncertainty that, you know, continues to develop at the running back uh, position. I see you have here on the screen now, I'm going to pull it up. It looks like about an eight, you know, 80% of his matches, uh, scored a touchdown on the ground, um, 74 rushing yards and, you know, just shy of three receptions for 21 yards. So, I mean, yeah, tools saying, you know, Hey, about a hundred total yards and a touchdown feels like a pretty good bet. Uh, and, and I would say, you know, I, I would probably take the over on on this uh, prediction based off of what teams have been doing to the Texans so far.
2: Yeah, for sure. So a very favorable projection uh, there for Jacobs. And,
1: and then the James Robinson thing, um, you know, with him showing up there, you know, I, that does speak to the quality of the matchup as well, um, you know, for, for the Jags there. And so... You know, ETN I think, is pretty much a must start um, after what he's done the past couple of weeks. And is this enough to, you know, make you want to put Robinson in a flex spot? I mean, he's been pretty iffy <laughs> here lately. Or do, do we just want to kind of attribute this uh, projection over ETN's way?
2: I think that this is a slightly different case than what you normally have, where there's a player... And we talk about a lot how the tool isn't able to know the full context of a team, but lots of times that context can fall into these averages, right? Because you're comparing to a lot of other players who also have other players behind them on their team. I think what we might see a little bit differently here is that we have a young player in Travis Etienne that we think has the potential to really break out. There are some signs that that is imminent. And as a result of that, I'd be more inclined to fade this projection for Robinson, understanding that we could all of a sudden see this shift to ETN, which would be very hard for the tool to pick up. So sometimes you have to recognize that there's certain things that aren't going to be modeled in when there's a tool that's trying to look across all players at a position. Um, That said, I'm sure there are some teams where maybe Robinson would make sense in your flex, but I would say that. You know, for your typical team uh, that our listeners might have, I'm, I'm picturing them to have a better option than Robinson, despite that strong GLSP, as I think that's going to be kind of misleading when all is said and done.
1: Yeah, that, that's a beach ball across the plate and you did hit it out of the park. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not we're not going to we're not going to mash in J-Rob uh, over ETN, um, you know, just because of this uh, projection in the GLSP here. Yeah, let's get a little bit further down the list uh, maybe to some of those, you know, typical borderline weekly flex uh, dilemma type players, or even some waiver wire fodder just to give people a sense of hope. Um, uh, Alvin Kamara showing up, you know, pretty low here. I think that looks notable. We don't have enough inform- the tools rather don't have enough information on Kenneth Walker, probably yep. uh, to really assign him much. Uh, don't, don't be worried that he's showing up as RB 30. I think obviously Dave and I would rate him, you know, much higher um, than that. Uh, Sony Michelle's a little bit interesting um, to show up there for the chargers, you know, Eckler at the very tippy top of the GLSP, but with the, you know, the word that um, Josh, Josh Kelly is out. She is going to miss some time, you know, in a desperation spot to kind of shoehorn him into a second flex or something. You know, we've all, we've all been there, man. We've all been there. Uh, and, and I've definitely made worse. Uh, I've made worse or more desperate plays than that. Uh, we still see Michael Carter showing up uh, as the presumed RB2 in the, the Jets offense, you know, right now. Uh, but, you know, he's still a guy that I think, you know, factors into the the weekly flex decision-making. You know, the, the GLSP are getting wise to what's going on with Najee, you know, pushing him down into the, you know, low-end RB2 range. Um Scroll back up there a little bit. CEH, I mean, I feel like this is generous for him at this point. You know, if you don't have to start CEH, you're not starting him anywhere. Um, Yeah, Hunt. Hunt had a really weird week last week. I think in this game versus Baltimore, where Cleveland uh, could be in a situation trailing against, you know, dynamic offense with the Ravens. You know, Hunt, I think, is a a strong play to just kind of forget about what happened last week. Um, He would be, you know, the recipient of you know, a, a trailing game script, he would be the one that would factor in more heavily than, than Chubb. And we do con, uh, continue to see him uh, get the majority of touches in close to the end zone. He just hasn't been converting. So you know, maybe the coaching staff will change that role, but you know, right now he's getting, you know, those really high value touches around the goal line. So uh, I would advocate for, you know, starting hunt this week. Anybody else popping here in this RB two, three range for you, Dave?
2: Um, I don't think there's any other names that we have to, to call out here that are of uh, particular interest. So if we move on to our third page, which is comprised by RB 31 through th- uh, 45, yeah, it's interesting to see AJ Dillon having fallen down as yeah, he man. was inhabiting Oof. the top 12 a couple of times earlier in the year. He's at just an average of 8.9 and 28% of his comps went under 5 points, 38 between 5 to 10 and 19% between 10 to 15. Uh, So it is very sparse. Uh, Just 15% of his matches uh, went past 15. So not a lot of upside there for Dylan, which I think is notable. Melvin Gordon lands in this range with an average of 8.3. Given the fact that we saw Denver more interested in giving touches to Latavius Murray on uh, Monday night, yeah. You know, you don't feel particularly inspired by this, I don't think.
1: You've got to feature Latavius Murray in twenty twenty two. You just you've got you've got to. That's that's what needs to happen. Um yeah, uh, a player that's uh jumping out there to me that's been pushed way down, uh is Jeff Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh so Jeff Wilson in middling RB three territory here, actually low end RB three territory, uh in the projection. Um that's interesting to me because you know the Chiefs have been pretty friendly uh, to opposing running backs um, this season, so you know maybe yeah let's let's dial in there a little bit closer. Over the last five weeks, the Chiefs uh, second in the NFL in terms of expected points uh, allowed to opposing running backs and seventh in actual PPR scored. So this has been a this has been a friendly situation. Now of course the 49ers don't really pass very much to the backs. And that's how some of these uh, running backs have been getting their points against the chiefs. As I'm looking down through here, uh, no opposing team RB one for a given week had fewer than three receptions. And in four out of the last five, it was four or more in three instances of five or more with Austin Eckler posting nine receptions, Leonard Fournette seven and Josh Jacobs five. You know, we're going to take the under on Jeff Wilson doing that kind of damage on, you know, through the air uh, with that work probably going to Debo Samuel, so I guess I can kind of buy yeah. into this. When I look at the rushing production, though, we do have four instances of opposing running backs posting at least 70 rushing yards uh, on the ground uh, over that span, but only two rushing touchdowns. So I think, you know, I, you know, with Wilson having a lower yardage total, you know, under under 50. That that might feel a little bit light to me, but you know, the idea that the rushing touchdown might not come uh with San Francisco potentially, you know, or probably trailing in this game and, and Debo getting the the out-of-backfield uh target work. I guess, you know, unpacking that, I, I buy into it a little bit and can see what the tools maybe are, are seeing there.
2: Yeah, I think really what it wants is it wants to see a running back that is gonna get a decent amount of targets um, be able Mm -hmm. to produce, like you were saying, uh, through the air. One of the biggest issues that you're going to have is in his recent games, he has just seen um, three most recent games, zero targets, two targets, one target, just one reception in those. So if it's trying to, you know, look for the type of thing that could boost up a player in their match. It's not going to find it because like you mentioned, you know, it's going to be those players that are producing outside of the running game. And also, as you talked about, there's not a a good outlook here for rushing touchdowns. Players like Wilson have only 20% of them found the end zone. So when you consider it through those contexts, it's easy to see why the tool lands where it does.
1: All right, let's move over to wide receiver. Uh, We might hit another back or two, potentially, depending on the start-sit questions that come in. Uh, But let's get over here to the wide receiver group. Um, I mean, continue to see injuries at at this position. I mean, just the overview, you know, we're going to be missing Hollywood, unfortunately, despite his great start. Uh, So we've got to subtract him out. We've got to add DeAndre Hopkins back in. You know, so that's going to allow for some intrigue. We've got Robbie Anderson moving over from Carolina Uh, to Arizona. So that, you know, changes uh, the complexity of Arizona a little bit more. And of course, uh, it potentially makes a little bit of room for somebody else to get, you know, a couple of targets in, in Carolina, we get uh, uh, ARSB coming back for the Lions, you know, both off by and and from um, injury. So just lots of stuff going on at the wide receiver position this week, really interested to see uh, what the GLSP are saying.
2: Sure. So you get guys like Tyreek Hill at the top of the list. It actually is a little bit interesting, Curtis, to see T. Higgins um, rated so highly coming in as the wide receiver to this week. Uh, that's not to say that T. Higgins hasn't had spots where he's been a good wide receiver. But this year has only gone over 20 points one time. That was in week four against Miami. Uh, has a zero game contributing to his GLSP. That was a uh, week five against Baltimore. And then just 10.7 points in his most recent game, uh, but did see nine targets and six, six receptions in that, which I think is one of the things helping him out here. Uh, if you look at the average stat line produced by his comps, you're going to see 10.2 targets, almost seven receptions, 91 yards and wow. 70% of those players found the end zone. Which actually gives him a total of thirty-two percent of his matches going for more than twenty-five. So T. Higgins, good receiver, but I'm still surprised to see that high of a projection. And he finishes just ahead of Jamar Chase, who's the wide receiver three. The first name that's probably going to catch some eyes is the fact that Greg Dortch is still so high up in here. <laughs>
1: yeah, man.
2: And when you when yeah. you go through the numbers uh, in his recent games. You can understand how it's still ending up there as recently as week three. saw 10 targets had nine receptions in 80 yards. The thing is, as you alluded to, it's really hard even for us to try and make any sense of this context. Uh, So you're probably going to have to, to some degree, fade that. I think we probably want to move on to the second page here. Things start to get a little bit more interesting. Brandon Ayuk on the heels of that two touchdown game gets the most love from the GLSP that he's had in a long time. Um, you know, other names in here that you might not be sure what to do with. We see Devonte Parker, Josh Reynolds, and DJ Chark. So a lot of interesting names here. Let me know if any of those guys you want to drill down into.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all.
1: Well, we can probably reverse engineer that uh, Jared Goff is desperation stream worthy because we're seeing like every Detroit Lion name pop up in the top 30. Um, I I actually wanted to, we did uh, have a question. It's my question uh, to the GLSP already. I've got a conundrum here and I see Jacoby Myers popping there uh, as a solid wide receiver too. So Jacoby Myers versus Cortland Sutton, who may or may not have Deontay Johnson or Deontay Johnson, <laughs> who may or may not have Russell Wilson um, confusing two different topics there, may or may not have Russell Wilson um, as the team is apparently feigning a hamstring injury for Russ. So they can justify sitting him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Jaco- Jacoby, interesting on, on a couple of my squads. And then Dave, uh, you and I also emptied the, the fab tank. Uh, spending almost 60% of our fab uh, to pick them up on one of our main event teams. So uh, curious what we've got here on the distribution.
2: Yeah. So this one is a little bit harder to make sense of when you first uh, just look at the percentages, but what you're going to see is that uh, Myers has, I would say overall uh, the better projection. However, sudden does have 15% of his matches going over 25. Myers has just 6%, but I don't think we're expecting either of these players to be in a position this week where they're going to land in those portions of their distribution. As a result, I would rather have Myers who beats um, Sutton at uh, the 20 to 25 mark as well as at the 10 to 15.
1: Okay, yeah, I like that. It helps getting that uh, insight from the GLSP when I look at the NFL statics board and just kind of zoom in uh, on that matchup, you know, with the Bears, some of the risks in this matchup, in this specific matchup, are New England being a heavy home favorite, potentially not needing to pass the ball. And you know, it's a little bit hard to separate, I think, the quality of the opposing wide receivers versus how the New England Patriots rate as a pass defense because I mean, they faced in, in week two, a very damaged at the time Green Bay Packers secondary that was Sands uh, Lazard uh, for the majority of that game. Then they, they pulled the Texans in week three, uh, the New York Giants in week four, and then finally start to see you know a little bit of quality, obviously against the Vikings with Justin Jefferson who absolutely smashed them, uh, and then and then facing the Commanders who do have some quality wide receivers, but nobody to throw them the ball. So it's it's kind of um, you know, difficult to to look at uh, the Bears' defense and understand. You know what's really going to happen for the on the Patriots' side of the ball here. You know, Jefferson is combination chain mover and you know top popper, and you know he seemed to go off here. Um, you know, but I don't think that we can compare accurately Jacoby Myers. You know, to a, a player of that caliber, so I would rate Myers above you know, anyone the Bears played in the first three weeks of the season. So I think we're we're probably hoping that, you know, maybe Justin Fields does hit his floor as the QB uh area of the of the app was suggesting that he might and you know forces the the Patriots to have to continue to pass all game. I think that would um you know that would be uh helpful there. And this, I mean honestly, I was looking for any excuse to not start Cortland Sutton this week. Um so that's probably enough for me. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I definitely hear that. Uh, we see Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay both landing in the uh, top 30 range, which goes yeah. back to Lamar having the highest projection of the week. Sounds like you might have something. There.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, ba- Bateman, um, if he's back and healthy, you know, you just got to play him. And if he's not, at DuVernay has been scoring touchdowns at a rate where, you know, you've got to play him. So um, I probably not, probably not starting Duver- DuVernay if Bateman is in the lineup. Yeah. Um, but I think Bateman, you know, we've, we've got to give him a little bit of a pass based off of, of being Alchie. And, you know, hopefully Lamar can bounce back as a passer uh, this week against uh, a beatable Browns secondary. You know, he's looked pretty bad the last two weeks, particularly in the second half. So uh, maybe this could be a get healthy situation for him.
2: Yeah. And then just to put some numbers behind it, uh, Lamar is projected with 250 passing yards and two touchdowns. Yeah.
1: Um, So if you give one of them to Andrews, you know, and like 80, yeah. And then, you know, somebody, you know, one of the other receivers is going to
0: score.
2: Yep. Yep. So uh, moving here, if we go to the third tab here, we get a little bit lower. Uh, You see Curtis Samuel getting into the conversation uh, with an average of 11.6 points as the wide receiver 31 Darnell Mooney with maybe his highest rating that we've seen in a while. Yeah. Um, I think that's fairly notable. Uh, If we're looking for players with upside, and we're looking for players that score pretty well in the 15 to 20 range, you have Michael Gallup with 29% uh, going between 15 to 20, Curtis Samuel at 22. They are, by and large, the top players uh, that we see in that range. Uh, If we were looking for players with floor, and we go to the 25th percentile um, we go down to page three here. You know, not really a lot of players that have the significantly yeah. high floor, so I'm not sure that there's a whole lot to um, to mention Kind i of just
1: reordering them there. Yep. You know, I've got a couple situations where uh, I haven't started Zay Jones yet, but this might be a week where I do, uh, so I kind of like seeing him there. He's not moving from the floor, uh, even on the third tab there, regardless of how you were sorting um, the player list, and, and I'm looking at... Zay Jones a little bit more closely in the weekly stat explorer, you know, and three out of five games that he's played uh, has scored uh, 10 or more PPR. And he does have the week three uh, pop-off event where he went for 24.5. So, um, you know, Hey, 10 or more PPR in 60% of his appearances this year, you could certainly do worse if you're, you know, streaming your flex p- position, especially when the GLSP agree.
2: Yep. Yep. So Zay Jones projected with uh, 7.7 targets, five receptions, 50, three yards uh just to give a little bit more background on
1: it's a very jonesian projection (laughs) yes i I totally i totally buy into a 553 0.2 line for him
2: definitely uh if we keep scrolling down you're going to see disappointing uh projection here (laughs) juju smith schuster coming in as the wide receiver 47 uh did score a touchdown though uh in his most recent game uh, Hunter Renfro, Elijah Moore continue to just disappoint. Uh, no surprise that mm. we see them in this range. Chris Godwin, though, it is pretty interesting. Um, actually does not have uh, more than 15% of his matches going over 15. So actually 27% below 5, 33% between 5 to 10, and then 25% between... Uh, 10 to 15. So, not a great look for what you would ex- want to see out of Godwin. Deontay Johnson falling in this range, too, Curtis, who we've kind of mentioned and hit upon yeah. here. um So, those are some of the guys that are coming in lower than you would probably like to see. DJ Moore with the very depressing projection here, uh putting him in the range between 61 to 70. He's so far down, I can't even tell you where he falls.
1: yeah um yeah that's that's pretty bad man uh uh, another note on godwin um he he has seemed to you know over the past three weeks establish a bankable floor i mean but yeah we haven't seen that ceiling from him yet you know he's he's scored over 12 ppr uh in each week dating back to week four uh but you know his his ceiling so far this season has been just 15.5 so um seems like the the app is wise to that. And, and then, it really
2: um, wants him to find the end zone too. That's one of the things holding him back yeah. because he has zero receiving touchdowns uh, across his last four games, which it definitely does not help uh, with the players that you're going to get profiled with.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other players that I was noting there um, uh, Thornton, um, you know, I think he's got a real chance to, to be uh, one of the more compelling uh, players over the the back half of the season. It's been interesting to see him emerge of late and with the Patriots, you know, maybe, I don't know, Dave, you tell me your ears to the ground there. Is there a quarterback controversy actually brewing there? It, it feels like maybe there could be. I'm seeing all these posts about uh, Jones getting uh, blood sewed here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I really have no idea. I would say it's not outside the realm of possibility. I would still expect, though, that they're going to try to uh, see if they can continue to get anything out of Jones, continue to develop him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there definitely is some talk about Zappi. So I have no idea how it will play out. I don't really have a, a major gut feel. So we'll just have to take that a day at a time, I guess.
1: I think for Thornton to even show up with how little he's been on the field, uh, that that's really what I wanted to to draw attention to. I mean, there's not much data for uh, for the tool to to draw a sample from uh, at this point. So even even to show up at wide receiver 60 or wherever he's at here, um, I think is is noteworthy. Um, and then you know, so just a couple other comments. I wouldn't feel horrible about starting commanders wide receivers even though they're not showing up too favorably in the app. I actually think, you know, Wentz to to Heineke could be, you know, a bit of an upgrade for a week, given how uh, he's played. And then, you know, I guess all bets are off in and, and Carolina. You would think that maybe DJ Moore could solve his problems through volume, but who knows who's going to be throwing the ball to him at this point. Um, Negative you know, A dot doesn't help. Yeah, we yeah. You saw that, it's not, right? it's not it's not a good situation negative a yeah. dot last week I
2: think I believe <laughs> I believe well, oh, that wow. there was negative a yeah. dot uh, for uh, PJ Walker let me quickly quickly. never go
1: full McAdoo you know I think that's uh, yes so I Philip Walker,
2: um, I can't I can't get to it right now but <laughs> It's Whatever fun. it was, like I think at, we all believe you at a point in time <laughs> no one's going to push back. <laughs> yeah, I believe <laughs> that at a point in time, I don't know if it finished the game with negative, but yeah. his average depth of, depth of target at one point was like at zero or it might have been negative. So that was very ugly.
1: Okay, let's go head to head tool as we wrap up wide receivers here. Um, let's go Rondale Moore versus Alan Lazard. Okay. And we're going to apply some sensibility here. Um, with a note that Marquise Brown was wide receiver four. Yep. uh, I believe in the projections this week, and he's not going to be there. So, you know, you give a little bit to Rondale. You give a little bit to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, You know, if Rondale's close to Lazard, it might give me some pause. Oh, it looks like Lazard just crushes him. Yes, he does.
2: He does. It's not even a contest. Oh, boy. Watch the Lazard. Are we going to get
1: an Alan Lazard ceiling game this week? It looks like it, man.
2: Let's just take a look. (laughs) It looks like it. The average projection um, calls for around seven targets, 4.7 receptions, 64 yards, 70% of his matches found the end zone. This is a really, really strong projection for a player like Lazard, Uh, especially given that we see 18% of his matches uh, outstrip 25. And, you know, that's one of the things that we were hoping we would see from him heading into this season. Uh, And, you know, GLSP likes for that to continue this week. And I kind of think that we're going to continue to see some games from Lazard where he manages to find the end zone. Who knows? Maybe we even get a two score game uh, by the end of the year.
1: That is music to my ears, man. Um, Okay. I I think I've already answered this one um, for myself because you mentioned Mooney on the first two or three pages here. Mooney versus DJ Moore was going to be another one. Hold on. Similar similar level of players. I have to
2: interject here. Philip Walker, air yards thrown negative one. On 16 attempts, 18 dropbacks. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: Yeah, never to be repeated again (laughs) in in the NFL future.
0: All
2: right, Um, sorry.
1: Okay, so we'll just give the easy victory, Mooney over DJ Moore. Let's go DJ Moore versus D. Rated pretty lowly this week, and we've got some quarterback questions. Who's going to start for each of them? Um, You said Moore versus who? Deontay. So let's go DJ Moore versus Deontay. They're both probably going to have abysmal floors, but does either one of them have a ceiling? Oh my gosh, that is ugly.
2: It's super ugly.
1: <laughs> oh man. Uh, I guess Deontay gets the, the yeah. smallest of edges, uh, just kind of, uh, nudging out DJ Moore at, at every level, uh, 10 to 15 and above, but just barely,
2: which I mean, it's just such a referendum on what oh has happened. I guess with not only with both of them this year, but, uh, with Deontay in specific, uh, we really, yeah. we're not expecting that. And what kind of makes it a little bit, you know, harder to swallow here is if you look at Deontay from a expected uh, point per game perspective, he ranks in at 11 among wide receivers, but it's 197 when you do fantasy points over expectation per game, he's eight in targets. Uh, the problem is it's just not translating into a whole lot of anything yet to find the end zone on the season. Uh, his receiving yards per target have not been higher than 6.7 yards on uh, any given week, despite a, you know, really high market share, very nice whopper, just not anything really to speak of Curtis coming out of the opportunity that he's getting. He currently sits in at wide receiver 44 in uh, PPR per game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeez. There's nothing that you were going to probably say that would just push me off of Deontay over DJ Moore, just even with this slight argument in his favor. But yeah, I mean, neither of these players has come anywhere close to delivering uh, for fantasy managers this year. Let's go quickly to, to tight end. It's just an absolute crap show uh, every single week. We don't need to talk about the players that are at the top named Kelsey and and Andrews, but let's focus on anybody else that has any semblance of um, dependability in the eyes of the 50 game sample informing the app this week.
2: Yeah. So Dalton Schultz, I think is the name that uh, will stand out for people when they first open up the tight end spot on the app only has two games this year. One wide receiver, one performance in that, then put up 3.8 points in week two, uh, but also being informed by games last year, it actually gives him the highest average PPR of the week at 12.6, 75th percentile of 17.6, and a 25th percentile projection of 7.1, which is one of the strongest of the week. Other players projecting favorably here, you had uh, David Njoku, Gerald Everett, Jake Ferguson and Noah Fant. And that's one of the things that you're going to see with tight ends. When you look in the tool Mm. week to week, it's a little bit hard to actually anticipate where players are going to fall. Oftentimes it comes down to um, just the susceptibility of that defense to allowing tight ends to find the end zone. Uh, yeah Earth's man it's Hawk, the, yep. the
1: partial touchdown. If if I can get the extra 2 tenths in my projection that's going to sway it because Exactly. I mean just a, a, everyone is I mean it's it's just as it's just as bad as I can ever remember it. Um so yeah, let's let's get in here a little bit. I mean I don't, wanna, like, okay, don't want to Okay, you can talk for, for a second. No, if we, you don't, want, we don't if need you, to. Want, it
2: was more want, a curiosity for me. Okay. I was just curious what the touchdown outlook looked like. Looks like for him as you see him at point seven point seven. And then if you look at Schultz, um, you're going to see him down at point three. Of course, one of the competing things here in the numbers is that uh, you've had some Ferguson games without Dalton. Uh, Dalton's one of the few players this week that's really doing it more off of a reception total in the yardage uh, than than getting the touchdowns. But I know you had a couple players you wanted to compare. Uh, Why don't why don't we step through some of that?
1: Yeah, let's get into this. I, I think the, the actual decision tier, um, because the, I mean, really, probably nine teams in every league, nine out of 12, are actually having to make tight end start sit decisions uh, every week. That's just how bad it is. Um, so let's, let's take a look at, I think, um, some, a couple of waiver wire heroes and a couple of athletic um, unpredictable tight ends. Um, so let's let's face off with Noah Fant versus Mike Gesicki. Um, Fant has started to emerge with a little bit of a floor over the last couple of weeks uh, in Seattle, and Gesicki, you know, just had the pair of touchdowns last week. I'm curious to see how these two measure up.
2: It uh, swings in Fant's favor actually as uh, he manages to get Pretty some strong, players right? in the 20 to 25 percent bucket. Um, I guess they're pretty close between 10 to 20. So you're going to give the advantage here to fan as Gasicki also has 20% more of his players falling beneath the five point yeah. bucket. So fairly in favor of Fan here.
1: Yeah. With uh, the stronger floor and uh, the higher ceiling. So, you know, getting a double check mark there. Okay. That's, that's an easy one. Um, maybe a harder one. Hayden Hurst versus Daniel Bellinger.
2: Yep. So Daniel Bellinger, man, not a name that we would have been expecting to talk about. Uh, If you look, though, at their distributions, you have, this is a hard one. It really depends on what your appetite is here. You do have a couple of matches uh, coming in a little bit higher for Bellinger, but if you look in the 10 to 15 bucket, there's a difference of, 29% 29% for Hurst to 18% for Bellinger um given what we know about these two players this would make me lean in the direction of Hurst a little bit more
1: yeah let's uh i'm going to zoom in on that one a little bit uh just using the help of the NFL stat explorer as well yep uh because you know i think these are these are players that are probably on the same roster you know in a lot of instances now when i look at Cincinnati's matchup this week you know they're playing uh the Falcons at home, their touchdown favorites. The Falcons have allowed the second most expected points against uh to opposing tight end position groups and the third most PPR uh they've surrendered to opposing tight ends over the past five weeks. And in fact, Dave, in each of the past five weeks, an opposing tight end has scored at least 10 PPR against the Falcons. So a remarkable floor. Uh no real big ceiling games. Um, but we're also, this is not exactly a murderer's row of opposing tight ends that have been doing this. I mean, Tyler Higby, I guess, is, I guess he's a pseudo Honestly. stud this year yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at the tight end position. He did post a seven seventy one zero 0 line against them uh, back in week two, you know, good for uh, 14.1 PPR. But then we saw Will Disley post 12.4, David Njoku 11.7, Cade Otten uh, 10.3. And then, uh, you know, most recently, George Kittle uh, posting 883 for 16.3. That feels like a, a pretty good set uh, for Hayden Hurst to be uh, pulling into. Just one touchdown allowed to the position uh, over the past five weeks. But, you know, the floor is really there, both from a receptions and a receiving yardage uh, perspective. Any comments on Hurst while I zoom in on Bellinger?
2: Yeah, so if you look at at Hurst's uh, projection created by his 50 closest comps, what you're going to see is it only puts him uh, in a grouping that 10% scored touchdowns. So we're seeing that low touchdown scoring potential reflected. That's also one of the reasons I would be inclined to go with Hurst. We're getting a slightly better projection, and that doesn't even assume touchdowns. Now, Bellinger is only at uh, 30% of his comps finding the end zone, Uh, but... If I'm thinking about, uh, you know, breaking the tie, one way I could do it is by taking the player that's less reliant on the touchdown.
1: Yeah. Um, Bellinger's matchup uh, does not look very solid uh, in comparison in the NFL stat Explorer, with really only Dallas Goddard uh, returning value at the tight end position. Uh, and there's several examples of opposing uh, tight end ones scoring, you know, fewer than five PPR Um against the Jags, so not, not going his way. Uh, I think many teams that have Bellinger are probably still going to want to go ahead and start him. I know I've got a couple of rosters, rosters we'll start anyway, but if you've got a player um, you know, like Noah Fant or like Hayden Hurst, you're giving the nod uh, to those players uh, based off of what we've seen in this head-to-head exercise. You know, another um, player that, that I was interested in as a potential streamer for this week was uh big Bob Tunyon and green Bay. Uh, that's it's kind of a tough situation going against the, the commanders. You know, we saw Lazard with the big uh, projection there. Um, but man, opposing tight ends really doing nothing. I mean, nothing against the commanders the past five weeks. Goddard did manage to get to 11.6 PPR, but TJ Hawkinson just 5.6. And then we, we've seen in the past three weeks opposing tight ends bail to uh, crest 2.5 PPR (laughs) against uh, this commander's defense.
2: No good. That is not good. Yeah,
1: that's pretty tough. That's tough sledding, man, if I've ever seen it.
2: Yes, for sure. So I think we've covered all of the players that uh, we felt compelled to get to. Of course, we will have to consider some of these tight ends and wide receivers a little bit more on Thursday. When we start to make sense of some of these players from the lens of the matchups that they're going to face in the secondary making use of our passing game matchup Raider tool. So, you know, if you have any questions uh, in advance of that episode, please send them our way at cpatricknfl or at FF on Twitter. And we will do our best to shed some light on those as we work our way through the passing matchups.